When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt at Novacare Complex with Mike K. It's a Wednesday. It's our midweek podcast, and there's like nothing to talk about. We just have absolutely nothing. We're just going to review the Star Wars trailer for the next 30 minutes, and then you guys can go on your way. How does that sound, Mike? I know you would like to do that, actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, it'd probably be a lot more. I did get some chills watching that trailer, to be honest. Listen, the way they altered the the main theme, I thought was incredible. Yeah. Okay, and, we're and, not... and the moment with C three PO was great. All right. Yeah, that anyway. was good too. All right, but so there's actually been like so much, um, it's just full on dysfunction right now in Philadelphia at the Novacare Complex. Since we last talked to you guys, the Eagles cut Orlando Scandrick and Akeem Spence, claimed two defensive tackles off practice squads, and uh, Anthony Rush, who was here in training camp and wasn't good enough to stick around over Kevin Wilkins, and uh, what's the other guy, Albert Huggins who I'm not sure is real, but he, I, he might be. <laughs> uh, so those two guys are going to be like starting at defensive tackle this week. One of them will start, one will be rotated in because Hassan Ridgeway is week to week. Uh, Timmy Jernigan's not closer to being back, it seems. Um, Fletcher Cox is around, I guess. Uh, Blake Jackson. Or, boy, is he around. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, That's what you call a tease. <laughs> then let's see. Um, then on, on Tuesday... Let's see, we talked to Nelson Aguilar and Malcolm Jenkins. Um, Malcolm Jenkins' co- uh, comment got a little hubbub, like, or hullabaloo is one of my favorite words of all time. I'll say there was some hullabaloo around some comments that he made. Where Somebody asked him about what, what the Eagles did last year to turn things around after that Saints loss. And the first thing he said briefly was that, you know, on, we had a lot of things change. Nick Foles went in on offense. And then he started talking about the defense and all the different changes and how they simplified things. But obviously, people latched on to the mention of Nick Foles. Um, and that led to Malcolm getting some comments from fans on Twitter, and he reacted to them and said that he wasn't the anonymous player that spoke to Jacina Anderson. Uh, Nelson Aguilar was back defending himself for that for that deep ball that we both talked about. Um, he admitted that he could have tracked it better. He was very passionately against the idea that he wasn't giving the right amount of effort. Um I think we're going to talk about him at some point this podcast and what we think the Eagles should do with him. Uh, then, let's see, late last night was the Fletcher Cox moment. So there was a rumor, like, f- recently about, like, some Fletcher Cox. So he was he mispracticed due to an illness last week. And there were some rumors. Last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. There were some rumors floating around that there was something going on at his house or something like that. Like, there was no, no real details. But it came out late last night, 6 ABC reported, that... Uh, an ex-boyfriend of a woman staying at Fletcher Cox's house came over a little after midnight and was trying to break into the house. He had a baseball bat. He might have had a gun. He threw some rocks at Fletcher Cox's front door to the point where it damaged it. Fletcher Cox called the cops, pulled out a shotgun, and the guy drove away. <laughs> just, just, uh, there's some, I can't curse on this podcast, but I, like there, I wanted to because that's just insane. Um, 
And that's just, that's just like exemplary. That adds to the the crazy week from last week, which I detailed on Sunday. Like because that in the timeline, all the stuff that happened last week between the non Jalen Ramsey trade, all the comments, like just <laughs> just this team just feels like it's in. Oh, and I forgot something also. So Lane Johnson after the game uh, made a comment to John Clark of NBC Sports that there are players showing up late to practice. Or he alluded. He alluded to it. He didn't yeah. direct. Yeah, he alluded to it. And as a reaction to that, Malcolm Jenkins was asked about it on the radio. He says, I don't know what Lane is talking about. And then the next, or later that day, uh, Brandon Graham's like, I wish Lane wouldn't have said that and would handle it internally. Um, <laughs> like, I just said a lot of things. Uh, yeah, that's some, that's some Star Wars prequel I feel trilogy like a, level yeah, drama. And I feel there. like I'm missing some stuff, to be honest. But, like, this is not good. Like, this, I know there was, there was stuff... Like this, it was less. It wasn't like all in one week last year. It was spread out a little more. You know, you had like Malcolm Jenkins after the Saints game, I believe, made some comments about the team not having any fight left in them. And I think Jason Kelsey made a comment about like accountability last year. And you had the Zach Ertz anonymous comments that he's being over targeted. But those were all spread out over the course of a few weeks. This has been within two weeks, and it just feels like if the Eagles lose again, the wheels are just off or coming off. Like time, like it's. Panic in terms of the state of the locker room, I would say. <laughs> Don't let the distractions of this internal conflict distract you from the fact that this is a bad football team. Yeah, I know. That's that's all it's doing right that, now. That's literally what this is. This is a bad football team right now. Doesn't mean they can't get better. Doesn't mean they can't turn it around. This is a bad football team. This team has played poorly for two straight weeks. And not just poorly, terribly. On both sides of the ball. And I think... Uh, yeah, there's some frustration there, but I also think this is a veteran group that has proven that winning cures all. If they can beat the Bills, a five and one team, there's going to be optimism going into the second half of the year. You and I have said that they need repeatedly that they need to finish eight or uh, four and four entering the second half of the season, have a shot, and kind of really turning this around and making the playoffs. You could say, what's the point of making the playoffs when you know they probably can't contend deep in the playoffs, but. That's not really how Philly works. So they don't, I, they don't really have like a young roster anyway. So right, you want to get the most juice for the squeeze, as it were. <laughs> and um, you know, <clears throat> this is a team that, for a lot of folks, you couldn't really blame Carson for the la- Carson Wentz for the lack of success. He didn't play well against the Cowboys, but pr- prior to that, he was probably not the problem at all. Um, look, these wide receivers have not played well. They've seemingly regressed. I brought this up the other day. You had Zach Ertz, you had Alshon Jeffrey, you had Matt Collins, you had Nelson Aguilar, you had this offensive line during the Super Bowl. Actually, you didn't even have Jason Peters, and Big B was the, the starting left tackle. And, the, and this is the same group as last year with better running backs. Right. So, again, I, I think that there's been a lot of regression in play. I think Jordan Howard, Rodney McLeod, and maybe... The kicker and the punter are the only four players on this team that are really exceeding expectations at this point. Um, you know, even before their injuries, Avante Maddox regressed. Sidney Jones was not playing well. Ronald Darby was not playing well. Uh, Tim Jernigan was playing well. Um, Bradham wasn't. Bradham was not playing well. So, like, you can talk about the injuries all you want, but, you know, I feel like Deshaun Jackson's been a hovering cloud of excuse. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of like, it's like the carrot, that, like, hanging in front. Right. Um, he's turning into this year's Darren Sproles, where every week you're point, kind actually. of like... Is he coming back this week? Is he coming back this yeah, week? Yeah, is he coming back? Doesn't matter. Doesn't uh, seem any closer. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you and I raved about this trade when they made it. Um, we also thought that they would draft somebody with speed in, in the draft. Uh, That's all the guys they worked out, like right. And you know, they signed DeAndre Tompkins, so you were like, maybe he's the guy that, and he turned out to be a, dive, a, yeah. a puff in the wind. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, this team needs speed. You do have to weigh the trade dynamics. We'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit later on the show, but um, is it worth it? Should Howie work it? Does he have to, oh you know, flip it around and reverse it or whatever? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, to, to, to do that stuff. Look, um, it, look, this wouldn't be, I wouldn't be on this podcast if I couldn't make pop culture references. It's kind of our gimmick. Um, but yeah, right now, they look like they're headed towards a downward spiral. And this happens to some good teams. It's happened to the Eagles' good team several times. Andy Reid dealt with this a few times. Um, Doug has dealt with it almost every year. Uh, you know, I see people very quick to criticize Jim Schwartz, and now it's warranted. The last two games have definitely been warranted. But also remember how much of an influence he had on the team's success during their first two years together. I also think the hand that he's been dealt the last two years as far as injuries has been fair to feel like that. It's not an excuse, but give him the benefit of the doubt. This team needs better cornerback play. It needs better defensive tackle play. It needs better linebacker play. This roster isn't as good as we thought it was due to injuries, regression, and poor project projecting of, of rookie roles. So, again, I don't know what the fix is, but Doug Peterson said today that the solutions are in the building. Um, yeah. I, I want to say this, too. This team focuses so publicly on the what-ifs, it, it's asinine, frankly. They're, well, the whole, oh, like, we've been, we're one play away from being... Well, yeah, but then, the they'll, get, then they'll get specific. Like Doug said today, and I just shook my head, he's like, you know, if, if we recover the fumble, blah, 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 blah. I don't even remember what he was talking about. Yeah. But, like, you, you, you lost by 27 points. It's not one play away. I, I mean, so that, that kind of makes me think of, so Nelson Aguilar was going through, because he was being asked why they haven't been able to connect on those deep balls in general this year, because he's the de facto deep threat. And he and he did, because Deshaun's out, and um, he, he had, I think, I think I looked up, he had like 10 catches of more than 20 yards last year and like eight in the Super Bowl year. So he's done it before. He has mm-hmm. two right now, and they're almost halfway through the season. Um, and he was kind of like going through a few specific ones where he's like, you know, I don't want to make, I want to blame the refs, but... Then he blames the ref and says the guy was grabbing me, or like there was three different ones he pointed out. Like it, it seems like at least publicly, not a lot of these guys are like taking responsibility. Well, I don't even know if it's that. I think it's that it, here's here's what's worse than not taking responsibility. They don't know how to fix it. Yeah, that's fair. It's very apparent. Well, it's the same stuff over and over again. Right. It's like oh my gosh, if this happens this week, well, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. The reality is you have to make sure that it doesn't happen again where it, it where you are making these same mistakes. And this team is making the same mistakes every single week. It It's not just mental. It's like execution in general. And I just think when you're when you're trying to contend for a playoff spot, when you're trying to contend for a division, this look, they have four division games and the Dolphins in this next next half of the season. They're almost definitely going to lose the Patriots, but every other game is winnable. They could, they could easily beat the Bears. I think they could beat Seattle at home. If it was on the road, it would be another story. Can they, though? I, I think they can beat Seattle. <laughs> I don't know, man. 
If Deshaun's in the seen... lineup, I think I think they can beat Seattle. I don't think they can beat the Patriots. They need to beat the Buffalo Bills, and that's going to be a tough. They go zero and three on this road trip. It's going to be something that they'll everybody will be talking about right. all year if they do. And then the excuse will be, well, you know, it was tough three games on a row. That'll be the narrative. It, look, they these teams that they're getting blown out by, they're they're sub I mean, they're they're substandard. They're good teams. But they're not great teams. And you could have easily defeated both those teams with cohesion, with actually making plays and executing. Because if you look at the roster, all three rosters are pretty comparable. The Vikings, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. And you're benefiting from the fact that the Giants aren't very good. The Redskins aren't very good. So you can still contend. Um, Dallas could still take a nosedive. They've got some pretty big matchups coming up because they won the division last year. But... While that's the case, Dallas clearly has an advantage. They have the tiebreaker right now. They also have the one-game lead in the division. So you have to beat them the next time you play them. And you really have to clean out the rest of the division. I mean, right now you're 1-1 one and one in the division. You could finish, you know, 5-1. and one, And that's important. No. And so just think, even just think about the defense. So Malcolm, um, so he like it. He was he was asked about um, like if there was a lack of effort or if he doesn't see effort or fire or whatever, and he insisted that there wasn't. So I asked him, all right, so if effort isn't the problem, what is the problem? And on defense, he was focusing on how the defensive line has struggled, so maybe everybody else needs to help them out a little bit. They're banged up. This is where they are. Um, it's not like the defensive line is getting any healthier. If that if that's the issue. And I don't know if you think that's their main problem on defense. I don't. It seems like it might be at this point. It is. Uh, and I mean, the edge rushers weren't getting pressure when the whole defensive line was healthy. So, right. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if there's a. I mean, Geno Atkins is good, but he's making a lot of money. And you're not going to trade a bunch of stuff for a guy like that when they're not even contenders this year. So I don't. I don't know what they can do to get this right back on track. And that's why I'm not. Very as confident as you are that they can beat all these teams that you just mentioned. Because until they they show me that they've improved from these last two weeks, I'm not going to pick them to win any games. And that's fair. Uh, I think Jernigan will be back after the bye. I get that sense. Um, He's pretty injury prone at this point too. So it's true. It's true. But the injuries have been in two separate areas. I I don't feel as um, concerned about that. I mean, I think Deshaun needs – if Deshaun's back, it gives them a weapon on offense. I think they have to do something at the deadline. If they want to contend, we'll know what Howie thinks of this team if they make it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it seems like they're going to wait until after the Bills game, though. Which I think is ludicrous. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to make the move, make the move. Yeah. You know win, what I mean? Win that game on Sunday. Yeah, win the game. You have to win the game. Or maybe it's that, you know, he sees this game as their season. If they lose it, they're 3-5. and five. If they win it, they're 4-4. Four and four And they are in a really good shot to contend. Um, but again, you have to weigh that cost benefit and now, you know, the cost benefit it, if you're giving up a third round pick for a guy who's on an expiring contract, which is typically probably what you're going to get at the trade deadline. Did you learn from Golden Tate? (laughs) Like that's the, I almost want howie to make a trade so that he can take the podium and we can ask him did you learn anything from golden yeah because we only we only get him during the season if they make a deal so right so um unless it's like a duke riley for jonathan cyprian (laughs) trade which i thought he should have taken what if that's what if that's the only trade they do this season (laughs) ain't that something yeah well they did do the the bruce hector for Uh, that was before before the season yeah it was but still blockbuster (laughs) but still um yeah so 
My thing with the trade deadline is there was a report, a couple of different reports today, right, from ESPN that Chris Harris didn't think he was going to get traded. Yeah, he didn't get, think he was going to trade, and then I think Diana Rossini reported that. Uh, they had a deal that was close, and it, it's possible that was the Eagles, honestly, because there's been a lot of rumblings, And then, but it, they don't feel like they're going to trade him now. That, that sounds like a negotiation tactic to me, but... Uh, he's kind of the one that if it doesn't, even, I don't even get the f- the feeling that corner is their number one priority right now. Honestly, I think they like Jalen Mills, um, they like Ronald Darby as we've seen in the past. They don't like Cindy Jones, I should say. Oh, they, they've gone from defending him just full on, just like not answering questions about him. Um, I don't know how much maybe he needs to change the scenery to be honest. But so Doug was like pretty much asked like, so what kind of conversations have you had with Howie? He didn't get into specifics, but the only position he actually mentioned was defensive line. Um, I, I think we both have mentioned like Leonard Williams probably makes a lot of sense. I think they could buy low on somebody like Bo Allen who they could just plug in for a couple weeks and be the run stopper. I think that makes a lot of sense. Just throw a six-round pick or something to the Bucks because they don't even play him very much. Yeah. And he's only making like $2 million base salary. So like, do and something. he was loved here. Like people yeah. were talking about him last year. And we talked about last year that they should never have let him go if Haloninata was the guy you were going to replace him with. Correct. Um, But... I don't know. I just can't get a read on like it's it's just so hard to know what how he thinks right now. Um, in retrospect, it's probably good that they didn't do that Jalen trade. I know at at the time I thought they should have, but after seeing the way they played against the Cowboys, I don't know if Howie probably didn't see that coming. But well, it, like if they traded two first round picks and this team doesn't make the playoffs, which is a very good chance. Um, that just does not look good. Well, in the drama of this week, had he entered that for yeah, good point. It could yeah. have been it could have been even more perplexing than it is. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they view corner as like as dire as they, I think they view it as if the defensive line's playing better, the corners will play better. So it's like a you know a chicken and egg sort of situation. But they clearly made it the chicken uh, that affects the egg. Um, I do think defensive lines and I think here's the thing though when you're projecting this roster are you trading for a defensive end because realistically Josh Sweat's shown you some stuff uh, you still have Derek Barnett under contract jo- uh, Brandon Graham can't be cut next year pretty much unless you trade him uh, sure Vinnie Curry's going to move on but you can sign somebody in the off season you can sign a Vinnie Curry's replacement level right so, right, yeah. right so. And then Deshaun Hall's shown you some stuff. Obviously, you're not going to bank on that. Joe Osman will be back. Ooh. <laughs> we'll get a whole other offseason talking about him. The and how, how hard he worked in his rehab. Yeah. Oh, man, those stories. <laughs> he works so hard. Um, defensive <laughs> tackle is where you have issues, but you also have Malik, Malik Jackson signed well, for next that's year. That's why it would probably be a one-year stop right. guy, yeah. That's why Leonard Williams makes sense. Yeah. You trade like a fourth-round pick for and him. And then if he's good and he's young, so you can try and keep him, yeah. So the problem with that is, right, is teams have now gotten wise to the compensatory pick formula, and so if you're trading a fourth-round pick for Leonard Williams... They're probably going to get that anyway. Yeah, after, yeah. So. so they have... I mean, maybe you trade a fourth and a sixth. But I guess the appeal of that is they're getting it sooner. Right, you're yeah. guaranteeing yourself a compensatory pick when he hasn't played all that well. Yeah. Um, and that's another factor he hasn't played that well. Right. Like most of these guys, either they're a good player on a really bad team or they're a player who there's a reason why they're willing to trade him. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and I think, you know, Chris Harris would be an upgrade here. I don't think he's going to make the all the difference in the world. He's not going to make the, like, he's not going to change everything for the defense. He just... His side of the field would be better. Like he's incredibly productive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. But he, he's but he also 80, gets burned a decent amount. Yeah, he he's got eighty-six pass breakups, twenty interceptions, yeah, six forced fumbles. Like he he's he's. A I mean, they don't have anybody like that right now in the second Right, and I think 
as bad as Rasul's been the last two weeks, I don't know. I mean, there is clearly a drop off between Chris Harris and Rasul Douglas, but is it worth trading away at future assets when you're probably going to lose him right away anyway? Um, I think this is this team's at a real a crossroads because you like we said there's this is one of the oldest teams in the league. If they're not going to contend, that's really bad news. There's definitely going to be major changes in the off season, uh, whether they go to the playoffs or not. And you know Carson Wentz is a guy with a contract, a big contract. Yeah. And you know this organization has done a really good job of protecting him publicly. Uh, I do wonder, it's something we didn't bring up, I don't think, when you went on your, like, you <laughs> know, your book yeah. report, uh, <laughs> was Alshon Jeffrey yeah. was kind of outed, kind but of we don't outed, know if it's he, true or not, yeah. Let me ask you this. By point point it, blank, say. yes or no. If Alshon's the, the source, we're not saying he is, we have no proof of that, there's, whatever. If he is the source, do you trade him next week? If you know that he is the source, do you trade him next week? Yes or no? I don't want an explanation. Just yes or no. I don't know. Honestly, that's because they don't they don't have anything to replace him with. Um, he hasn't been that good. I know he hasn't, but he's better than JJ Arcega Whiteside. Right, but theoretically, okay. So let's say you lose to Buffalo. If you lose to Buffalo, and and he's the leak, maybe. Uh, so so I was I had a sh- a take I was gonna throw out. And it involves him, um, so I might as well throw it out there now. Yeah, it doesn't even have anything actually to do with the locker room stuff. More mm-hmm. about his performance and how he physically just looks like he's he's like really struggling out there physically. He's not fast, um, and he's kind of just been become a screen receiver. So my take is that the Eagles made a big mistake guaranteeing his salary as early as they did. That's a freezing um, cold take. That's yeah, 100% that's not, it would have been hotter if it was like a few weeks ago. Yeah. But like I just don't get why they didn't wait. Why did you have, why they didn't do anything with that money? So why did they have to rush? Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's so I don't weird. know. I, mean, I don't it, know why they. I, I know there's a theory it. out there that maybe it's because they uh, they saw what JJ Arcega Whiteside was and they're not really that enthused about it. Like that's a possibility. Maybe they wanted to appease a player who's clearly very Who, popular. He's been important to yeah. this team. Um, I do wonder. Okay, so I was thinking about this on the way on the walk back. Alshon was able to not get away with, but probably face less public scrutiny than you'd ever imagine for the drop in New Orleans. Oh, for sure. Like the fan it, base it blew my mind how it just, everybody just forgot about the it. The fan base rallied around him and everything like that. It does kind of feel like the tide's turning a little yeah. bit now, though, over the last two weeks. Uh, because he has been linked to those anonymous sources thing, which we've seen in, whatever. Whether he is it or not. By the way, I will say, if the Eagles decide that they're not uh, a playoff team, then I think trading him does make sense. Yeah, that's. I think you get, he's, his value is only going down from here. Every day from here on out, his value goes down. Well, the reason why I, I'm trading him is I don't want that contract on the books. Yeah, exactly. It's that, more about the contract than the comments, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, if he had been really good right now, if he had looked like he did that Super Bowl year, I wouldn't be saying frankly, that. But he, I, he just does not look like the same player. Okay, so let's talk about the other wide receiver yes. in the room. So I, I wanted to get to that. So I, I think we both have we both talked about this off air. Um, we both think it's time that Nelson gets a little change of scenery. I don't, yeah, I don't know. For his own good. I don't know how that works. The Eagles probably have to pay like some of his salary just to get rid of him, honestly, unless mm-hmm. it's a part of like another trade. Because I don't know how much a value is or anything. But I should say, two slot receivers just got like way more on the trade market than I thought either of them would. Uh, Mohamed Sanu got for a second round pick to the Patriots, which is just wild. Um, they clearly like him, I guess. Uh, and Emmanuel Sanders for a third and a fourth, which doesn't sound as bad. Sanders is a. Uh, 
But he's also on the he's final productive, year of his but he's team. on the final year of his year, and he's like thirty-two or whatever. Yeah, to the 49ers who need a receiver pretty badly, so maybe they were negotiating against the Eagles. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan loves him. It, uh, I was I was listening to the uh, the, the NFL.com podcast, and they were talking about how he did an interview with the Athletic a couple of years ago, where he's like, "I think Emmanuel Sanders is an All-Pro wide receiver. He wow. does everything well." Blah blah blah. <laughs> And you just got him for it's, always, it's always fascinating with that stuff, like when you find stuff like that for a guy that because it's like it, you could have predicted it if you just looked at it between the lines. But uh, right. But point being, so that's two slot receivers who got more than they were probably valued at. And in theory, Nelson is twenty six. He's had some success in the past. He does have some speed. Um, he's obviously he's had, got a better draft pedigree than both those guys. Yeah, and he's in the last year of his deal. So maybe there's a team. I, I would think more less a, a contender and more like a. A young team just willing to take a flyer on a guy, and if they like him, they resign him, kind of thing. But I don't, I don't, I don't know what team it would be. But I think it's time for him to go. If I was Joe Douglas, I would, I would, I would pull a Howie deal and say, "Hey, look, we'll give you a six round pick for him, and you can have Cindy Jones while you're at it." <laughs> yeah, like here, here, we'll we'll give you a fourth round pick well, I, and a fifth round pick. I was going to say, I think if of all the trade targets that have been mentioned, I think Robbie Anderson is one that makes as much sense as anybody because he's so young and he's a guy that. I don't know what he would cost, but he's a deep he's a deep threat. They can get him under contract. He pro- I don't think he would cost a crazy amount. He might cost a little more than they would want. Would, um, let me ask you this: Would you trade Alshon straight up for Robbie Anderson? I don't know about straight up. I think that the Jets would give up more than that. I think maybe. There's no Alshon Jeffrey would get more than Robbie Anderson. He's like, at <laughs> this point though, like yes, you just absolutely. said, he's Robbie running around. Anderson hasn't been that good this year. I know, but he's running around. I mean, there's no way he would only take Robbie Anderson. Maybe it's Robbie Anderson. Well, they turn. I mean, maybe it's Robbie Anderson a fifth. I, I, I still think it would be a little more than that, but I mean, I would, would you do it or not? Not for Robbie Anderson a fifth. No. Okay. Okay. You're getting, that's, you're then that's your a question. Team, you're making your team worse. That's your question. Um, um but I, would, I mean, you don't need to trade Alshon for him. No, you don't. I'm just saying, like. Let's say Alshon is part of the locker room issue. Do you? I mean, I think at some point you you realize addition by subtraction sometimes does work. Like I think uh, if somebody is posing a problem, like look at the Jaguars for instance, right? So Jalen should have been a distraction. He didn't play. I think they went three and two in that stretch that he was either on the team or been traded. You know, sometimes like not having that negative energy around is a positive thing. It could mean the same thing for Nelson. Um, I don't know. I just think they need to do something dynamic or they need to not do anything at all. Like a trade for uh, a third wide receiver is not going to get it done. Um, and so, so I wonder if Cowie just does like, cosm- like small cosmetic changes just so it's like he did trades, but it's not actually him giving up anything. If that's the case, the fan base should be furious. Yeah, because then well, they will. Away. I'm just saying. I can because see, then you're giving you can away, see that though. Then you're giving away future assets for minimal gain. No, I'm saying the sort of thing where you're like swapping with Sidney Jones for another player, like that's mm-hmm. low key kind of thing, and like the one that doesn't really affect your future at all. I think the the guy to watch is Big V because yeah, yeah. you've reached this point in the season he makes a lot where of sense. Andre Dillard's worked out at left tackle. Everybody else is healthy. Uh, Matt Pryor, you've given some playing time, and eventually you've got to throw him into the deep end, and maybe he's your backup right tackle. Um, especially if you're not contending, it might be time. Because um, you know he's going to sign somewhere else. And you also, he hasn't really played, so you don't know what type of value he's going to get. So maybe you secure yourself your compensatory pick, quote-unquote, in advance. Um, I also think something that a lot of people... A lot of people value these compensatory picks. I get it. I get it, especially for a young team and a rebuilding team. But when you really factor it in, like, you're not 
looking for this immediate offseason, you're looking for an offseason after that. Yeah. So it's like you're banking on on like funny money, basically, right? So and then you look at the trade for Golden Tate, right? So everybody's like, oh wow, they're getting him for nothing because they're gonna get a third round pick and a compet well now it's gonna be a fifth, yeah. Now it's gonna be a fifth, and you didn't even know if you were gonna get it because Jordan Matthews Well, and he might not be as safe anymore now because they just got Emmanuel Sanders. So. Right. So it's like it's one of those things where it's not as immediate as you think it is. I, I've heard people on podcasts be like, "Wow, you know, they they got Emmanuel Sanders for a third and a fifth, a third and a fifth, or a fourth. third and a fourth, and they traded him in a fifth. So they basically got him for free." Well, no, that's not like not. I mean, that's not exactly accurate. There's a lot that comes into play with that compensatory pick thing, and to me, uh, you cut LJ Fort because you wanted to get a fourth or a fifth round compensatory pick when he's balling right now for the Baltimore Ravens and you gain $1.9 million guaranteed. Uh, and then you cut Zach Brown two weeks later. Like to me, that's one of those decisions where you're like, okay, cool. Now you're getting a little cute here. I, I just don't think like you can say stuff like, would you rather have LJ Ford or a fourth round pick? Well, I don't even think that's actually the argument. It's, Hey, do you want to actually have a competent, linebacker in your linebacking group. And, and that's looked even worse since he's left. So. Right. If that was the case too, why not cut Zendejo, right? The second that Avante Maddox gets back here, why don't you just do that? Um, oh, I wanted to talk about that because I think it's very about interesting. About what? About Avante Maddox. Uh, so he's been sidelined. He's still in concussion protocol, yeah. by the way. And they sounded, made it sound like it was neck related. So you can have a concussion where it affects head and head, 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 head and neck. So he's got to pass both phases of yes. soreness, I guess, to, to get cleared. If they trade for a corner, they're not going to cut guys. It's just not going to happen, right? So you got Avante, you got Craven coming back. You've got Mills. You've got Avante, Sidney Ronald Jones. Darby, Sidney Jones. And did you say Craig James? Yeah. Craig James, maybe they cut. But, um, yeah, I'm just saying he's on the roster. Right, right. Yeah. If they trade for a corner, the most appropriate move I see taking place, especially because he is he struggled before injury, is Avante Maddox moving to that third safety role and eventually either replacing Rodney McLeod or replacing Malcolm Jenkins at safety. It seems like that's where we've been headed the entire season, just because of the way he's played at nickel for a prolonged stretch. Uh, outside, he was fine. But he's also shorter, and I don't know if you really want that longevity. You need a guy who can be versatile like Malcolm, and Malcolm still hasn't gotten that, you know, sweetening of his pot, as it were. I want to talk about that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah it's called... Uh, uh, well, you didn't know that. Impromptu segue. <laughs> um, you always point out when you're doing a segue. <laughs> I do. It's it's a funny thing. I hear people do it on podcasts all the time. It's funny. <laughs> Thanks for pointing out my pointing out. You're welcome. Um, but... I think that's where they're headed because they've made it very clear Rasul's not moving to free safety. They have... I mean, Sydney can't tackle anyone. Uh, can't do much of anything. <laughs> I mean, Zendejo can't cover, and I think that's why Maddox would help in that third safety role. I thought he played very Maybe well. Maybe don't there. play them two at the same time. Yeah, correct. Yeah, probably, <laughs> you more probably want to keep it separated. You know what I mean? Um, By the way, like, interesting Zendejo knocked Avante Maddox out for this long. He's going to be out a few more it, weeks, it, probably. It, it's rough. Um, <laughs> Just a reminder. But like, that, was, that feels like it was ages ago. It was like two weeks ago. <laughs> it does feel like it was forever ago. Yeah. Um, but again, um, I think when you're looking at this roster, if they do make a move for a corner, that's the move. The, that's the corresponding move, as it were. Like, yeah. I think Craven's a better nickel than probably anybody on the active roster right I, now. I think Avante and Craven coming back 
um, is like the biggest reason why maybe they don't trade for a corner. I 100% agree. With yeah. You. Whether or not they should is a different question, but <laughs> I also think Jalen Mills played pretty well with yeah. watching the game. Funny thing was like Jim Schwartz fell short of like complimenting him outside of just saying he was competitive, but I thought he did a decent job. Because I think he would have stepped out of the norm of the whole we're three and four. <laughs> yeah, true. No, I, like no, I watched that press conference and I was like, you, you mean in between his filibusters? <laughs> Yeah, like he wanted to compliment him. Trust me, he was. A, I mean, that's why he went out of his way to say how competitive he was. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just didn't um, want to be like, hey, yeah, he played like a six and eight corner. <laughs> I right, so mean, uh, an eight and six corner. So let's talk about Malcolm real quick. So I think it's kind of been understood a little bit this year because you and I in the past have been very complimentary of how important he is in this defense. I don't think he's played very well this season. He when, recently when they've lost, he's been a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah in a lot of ways. Um, I I also. I don't want to question his leadership, but I think that's something we should talk about as well. Yeah, I mean, he's been... I mean, he... So, after his comments, that kind of blew up. Um, he, like, defended himself by saying, anything I say to the media, I say to my teammates, blah, blah, blah. But it, it does always seem like he's the one that's calling everybody out in the media. Um, and maybe that... I mean, you kind of want that from a leader in a lot of ways, but I don't know. It's just hard to get, like, a read on the dynamic of that locker room because it seems like... You know, after he said those comments after the Saints game last year, for example, about how there was no fight, you know, you had like Fletcher Cox and I think like Kelsey and maybe Zach Ertz saying like, oh, I didn't see that. So I, it's not great when you have all these different leaders saying different things. You had the Lane Johnson and Malcolm Jenkins thing. Uh, Brandon Graham was involved there. I think everybody likes Brandon Graham, so I don't think he's Yeah, I don't think you have to remember. Um, not to say I don't think people like Malcolm, by the way. Um, yeah, it is, it is. Don't like Don't like Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just... It's just very hard to get a read on the dynamic of this locker room in general, you know, because you have, like, the Carson Wentz stuff that seems to come up every couple of months at this point. Um, you have the receivers with their whole thing. Like, it just seems, like, very more segmented than the Super Bowl season. And, like, the biggest reason that – one of, not the biggest, but one of the biggest things they prided themselves on that year was just the chemistry. And, obviously, when you win – like, if the Eagles win, then all this will go away. That's just three – that's how this team operates. But they're not winning right now. Yeah, I think if you – the coordination's off, right, between the defense. So, like, if you look at the layer – let's say the defense or, or is – the, the defensive front – like, the defensive line is the brain. And the defensive backfield are the hands. The brain is not communicating with the hands. And that seems to be – from, a, from, a, from yeah. a locker room standpoint, is that fair? Is that a fair analogy? I think so. Because um, we know I mean analogies. Uh, <laughs> you love them, <laughs> but like it just kind of seems like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing and or saying. And I think that's the dynamic. It's like the defensive line blames the secondary. The secondary blames the defensive line. Nobody's like pointing at themselves. No, yet yeah, there. Well, and this has been a, a critique of mine privately yeah. is that it just kind of seems like for a, a locker room that gets so much praise for its camaraderie and its tightness it seems very clicky uh it, it it seems like all these guys are broken up into groups everybody gets along within their their position group people love Andrews and Dejo. people love Sidney Jones uh Brandon Graham loves Benny Curry he loves Hassan Ridge right, I saw Andrews and Dejo uh recently in the locker room like going up to Fletcher Cox He's like I'm your favorite teammate aren't I and he was like joking around with him like Andrews and Dejo doesn't show that side to us so maybe that's why they all like him but I just right. found that very interesting they were like joking around with him he like went over to Fletcher Cox's locker started he's, cracking jokes at them I've noticed that he's very big on communicating with other guys from Texas and I don't know hmm, if that like Texas Texans do really like stick together that's yeah thing. like they were giving each other crap like, did you see the photo because the Eagles do that thing where they get to the 
road trip and they put all the photos of them in their fancy suits. Yeah. And it had Josh McCown, Jason Peters, and there's somebody else from Texas that was all standing next to each other. Hmm. Like it was pretty obvious that they planned it because they were in Probably Texas. Probably like Big B I'm or blanking. something. No, it wasn't Big B. It was someone more important than that. I'm blanking on who it was. How dare uh, you? There's, some, there's somebody else pretty good from Texas. I'll think of it later. That's but, on uh, Ridgeway? No. He's an important people. <laughs> hey, um. he's going to be pretty important. Or his absence is going to be pretty important over the next couple of years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think when you have a team that's struggling the way this team is, it, it's, it's almost like they expect to win, and I think that's what the problem is. Like, there's so much confidence within that locker room, or at least bravado that it seems like when they lose everything hits the fan like they, they don't stay even keel even in a law you know what i mean and so i think that's kind of the problem um the thing is everybody without quite like nobody's doing the thing of last year where one person's questioning the effort everybody's like the effort is not the problem like everybody's insisted that the coaches the players the leaders people who aren't as big of a deal in the like everybody is saying effort is not an issue, and, I think okay. that, and that's the main reason why they all think they're going to be okay. Well, okay, then you just, then you suck. You're yeah, no, that, that's what that's exactly my point. So, so the, all what that's saying is, well, everybody, I tweeted this out earlier. It seems like every week, everybody's excuse is, well, we're not executing. Well, why aren't you executing? Yeah, what like, are you doing in practice? Like, are they? Doug's always insisting they had great practices every week. I don't know if I believe it. Like, well, and that circles back to my whole thing: is everybody's on what ifs, and they're not on how to fix. Whatever happened to everything matters. That was their slogan, right? Well, apparently getting into... Here, perfect example. They were pushing and shoving with Cowboys players after almost every special teams play. Camus Grugier-Hill, who's a captain, was constantly getting in guys' faces. And Alex Singleton, who just got promoted from the practice squad, had to pull him away and talk him down. Uh, you know, Dude, but, so Fletcher Cox celebrated his first, by the way, it was his first sack of the season in the second half while they were down by multiple yeah. touchdowns. Like, and, and like you're he, the leader on the team. He, guy. And he knocked the ball loose and didn't go after it. Yeah. By the way, he also is pretty clearly like not the dominant Fletcher Cox so far. Like, I think we can all agree to that. Yeah. I mean, I think that foot injury and not having the yeah. Which is better. a major factor with why the defense hasn't been good, by the way. Right. I mean, he, he's, he's the most important player. He's the, the straw that stirs that drink. Yeah. But um, I think Jim Schwartz has actually like said that. What did he show us? The straw that serves the drink. I'm pretty sure know. he said that, actually. Yeah. He also said that Craven LeBlanc saved their season last year. So, I mean, to be fair, like, uh, <laughs> he either doesn't say anything or he goes like to the extreme with compliments. <laughs> yeah. It, he's hyperbole or nothing. Um, he did mention unicorns and rainbows yesterday. So. <laughs> another guy that I think deserves a little bit of criticism is Philip Daniels, um, the first year defensive line coach. No the progress. team is just not progressing they've always been very good against the run you can argue that they're the best run stopping team in the league but that's partially due to playing their safeties close in the box zeke elliott made it made that not look that way yeah he he was swish rain through uh malcolm jenkins at one play yeah malcolm had a terrible game against cowboys um and then another guy that who we probably never mentioned on the podcast is carson Walsh. yeah i don't even know if we ever mentioned his name um you know there's a new wide receivers coach every year which isn't Uh, good i mean of all the wide receivers coaches that they've had under Doug, Grow was clearly the best. Yeah, that's a good point. That, um, was, that was their best year receiver-wise, right. without question. And since losing him... Worse, worse. Worse, 
like significant like Greg worse, Lewis did Greg Lewis didn't do a very good job, but he was also like a first year wide receivers coach too. So well, I mean, that's a part, maybe they shouldn't bring a veteran in here for once. Well, like. they brought in Gunther Brewer, who who was a guru in college, but clearly could not hack it up here. Nathaniel Hackett. Um he's the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, if you didn't know. Um he also gives out wonderful hugs. So supposedly. do you think they're gonna make coaching changes again this offseason? Absolutely. Yeah. Um How, like more than this last year. I think there was like three. Right, right, defensive line. So Chris receiver. Wilson, um, and, uh, Gunter Brewer, and I think they didn't invite back one of like the assistants to the okay, assistant. I thought there was another one. I just, wasn't um, I think Ken Flagel is kind of on the hot seat. I think, depending on if Schwartz is here or not, Unlund could be. Tim Houck? Uh, Tim Houck, I mean, I, I don't think he's... Well, I mean, yeah. you, just put a, you just put a name out there and it's like, yeah, we're making changes. Yeah, so. uh, Philip Daniels, I, I think they'll give him another year because yeah. he was in Kansas City with Doug and I think Doug really cares about yeah, about that relationship. Mike Rowe, question mark? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see him being scapegoated. I also could see Deuce Staley kind of getting the axe. I mean, we, we said it before the season started that his biggest project that he's ever had was Miles Sanders. He's and not he's, gotten better. <laughs> yeah, he's looked phenomenal he, as a downfield. He doesn't look ready to be out there. I don't know if it's the instincts thing or what, but he's missing wide open holes. Like these aren't just like small holes where They're, you just hit them. When was the last good run? Like, what was the last time? Because during the preseason, all the hype was about his cutting. Ability. He had a really when was good the last run time against a good cut. He had a really good cut against the Packers. I think that was like the thirty yard run or whatever. And he did have like fifty yards that game. Yeah, he he looked good there. Uh, Jordan Howard is unquestionably the best running back on this roster. It's not close. Um, I don't know if Deuce or Doug is deciding the rotation, but. <laughs> See, that's the thing, too. Why'd you, like, that third and four play in their own territory is just, like, so confounding. I mean, I would have benched him for the rest of the game, but you can't. He shouldn't have been in the game, though. It's like, I don't even blame him. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Like, um, why is he in that situation? They want the home run ball with him, and it's just, that's the thing. I feel like this team goes, it doesn't know what it wants. Sometimes it'll play small ball, and then other times it'll play nothing but home run ball. And I think that's part of the complaint with that anonymous source it, with the checkdowns. Carson's not throwing down the field all that often, but when he's trying to, it becomes this hero ball moment. And so maybe that's where the criticism's fair. Um, I saw Shil Kapati at The Athletic put this out there earlier today. He said a good, he feels like a good, and I completely agree with him, a good gauge of good coaching is when teams, when players are outperforming their expectations. And so he listed Jordan Howard. And then he was like, that's probably it. Yeah. And so I think that that's an extremely fair criticism. Who on this team is exceeding expectations outside of maybe Brandon Brooks? Maybe Ridgeway before he got hurt. Yeah, Ridgeway was balling. Uh, but Brooks, like the expectation is that he's that good though. If Ridgeway didn't get injured, he would be probably my first person on the roster that I'd say you needed to extend because you could extend him for cheap. Yeah. Uh, Rodney McLeod's exceeded expectations. I yeah, think, based on, well, based on like we thought he wouldn't be the same player anymore. Right. I think. Much, yeah. I think he returned to form. I think Cam Johnson's playing pretty well. I think based on what we saw in training camp, Jake Elliott's knocking yeah. it out of the park. Well, Elliott hasn't missed anything, and right. he—that he, was his whole thing. He would miss stuff a lot. So right, but he looks calm. He looks confident. That's, his kickoffs have been good. Hey, Rick Lovato haven't had a problem with him yet. Well, besides the say his name properly, <laughs> Super Bowl champion Rick Lovato, okay. Super Bowl deli maker, deli sandwich maker, uh, Rick Lovato. You know what? I overheard him having a conversation with Bo Wolf with yeah. Bo. And Bo played dumb because I know Bo knows this. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, oh, so like what, what, type, that, yeah. what, what type of job do you, did you have in high school? Yeah. He's like, oh, I worked at a deli. Oh, really? Like, it yeah. was very funny. Because yeah, that was like a big Super Bowl story. Yeah. Um, I know we're kind of rambling, but I feel like this yeah. podcast 
like this episode was really worth it because there's so much to unpack here. Um, let's play a game. I got a game for you. Always have games what? for me. What? Name two Pro Bowlers on this team. Like, like future Pro Bowlers? You're saying? No, no. Pro Bowl players in in uh, February or January. Oh, that make the Pro Bowl this year? Yeah. Oh, none. There's no Pro Bowl. Uh, maybe Brandon Brooks, I guess. I would say Brandon Brooks and maybe yeah, Lane and, and probably Cam Johnston. I don't know if the punters. It's always so hard because uh, there's only two of them that make it. So right, but bad bad punters on bad teams yeah. typically make it. So and this is a mediocre team. So. <laughs> I, I still feel like he's gonna get. He's one of those guys that's gonna get snubbed every year in fantasy. Probably, I think he'll be um, an alternate. I could see Lane getting in. He had the one bad game. Otherwise, he has been pretty good this year. Um, it, except and, when you and Kelsey's a guy that gets in on name recognition. I think he's yeah. been fine. He hasn't been like the best center in the NFL, probably. But yeah, no, I, I, I Cox it. not making it. Um, I guess if Graham, no, Graham's not because he had all the Ertz sacks in one game. Ertz is uh, his that his numbers are still up there for a tight end. How many he, how many make it? Do three on each side uh, or two he, on each side? I think it's two. If it's only two, maybe not, but he might make it if there's three. Because um, he still is up there for receptions and stuff. He only has one touchdown. I mean, up. if Brandon Graham can put up maybe four He needs to, to have a couple set. more. Yeah. yeah. He, he has can, four right now, I believe. He's going to be an alternate no matter what, but I think... It'll be his first one. That would be cool for him. But yeah, the point being, they don't have Pro Yeah, Bowl. he needs to have a big game. Nobody's playing like a Pro Bowler this season. <laughs> right. And and also, when you're playing poorly on national television, they've played poorly against the Falcons. They've played That's poorly. They've played poorly against the Cowboys. Uh, they played well in Green Bay, but nobody really got sacks. I mean, McLeod, like, his numbers won't show it, but he's, like, played... At a Pro Bowl level, I think, but he's not. He's a type that. Would, yeah, he's a, probably it would like, be like a player. It would be like a player vote if they recognize yeah. him. But yeah, uh, I think that's a fair criticism. So other than that, the sky isn't falling. Yeah, the, so other than that, everything's great. Yeah, um, <laughs> we didn't get the comments today because there was a lot to unpack. We'll read some uh, in our preview pod. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this podcast didn't go over an hour, but it feels like it did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so on that note, and we probably didn't even like cover everything to be honest. But uh, so yeah, leave leave us, leave us some comments on this pod. Let us know what you're most concerned about. I guess I'm curious what you guys say. And we'll read those on Friday. Um, thanks for listening. Leave us some reviews. We did have a review. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it, the message was that they need to fire Jim Schwartz, basically. It was five stars, though, so thank you. Hey. Guy you know who did what? That, or he, girl. Look, we're okay if you criticize other people, but always give us compliments. That's <laughs> fine with us. Yeah, just be nice to us. That's all we want. Let me give you a positive note from a rival uh, journalist before we go. Jimmy Kemsky writes... Ew, boo. Boo, boo, Jimmy. We'll call him James. In this James. One. James K. James K writes, and not James Cratch. James K writes, <laughs> the Bills are 5-1, which is great, but the five teams they have beaten have a combined point differential of negative 359. <laughs> That's unreal. So, that means they've Wait, beaten... combined point differential is that? Yeah, yeah. Not yardage, points. Points. That doesn't even sound real. Well, they, I think they played the Dolphins twice. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so that kind of skews no, that a little the Bengals, bit. I think. Um, so on a positive note, they're playing bad teams. This yeah, is a mediocre team. They, they did play the Patriots really well, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We'll end on that note. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot about the Bills on Friday. This is an interesting game. It's kind of a hard one to figure out, honestly. But, uh, yeah, we'll uh, br- talk to you guys again on Friday. Thanks for listening. Comment, review, and... Thank you.